0: Good morning, our series this fall is a time of uh, looking at what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit called outpouring, and uh, we got started last week and we're continuing on. Today, I'd like to ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of Job in the Old Testament. If you need page numbers, um, the page numbers are in the bulletin for both the gray and the black Bibles there. Um, however, if you have your own Bible, which is a good thing to have on Sunday morning, um, you're on your own. You have to find it yourself. It's right before Psalms. It's, it's, it's easy to find Job because you just open in the middle and go left and you'll find it. But Job chapter 12 is where I'll be reading. I'm going to be reading two passages, short passages from Job. Starting in Chapter 12, verse 7. A lot of what we have in Job is Job answering um, his friends and his advisors. And this is one of those, two of those places, especially the first one, but it's thought also the second place that I'll read, is Job is answering what people have said to him about what's happening in his life. So Job, chapter 12, verse 7 is where I begin. But ask the animals, and they will teach you. The birds of the air, and they will tell you. Ask the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every human being. Does not the ear test words as the palate tastes food? Is wisdom with the aged and understanding in length of days? And then from the 27th chapter, beginning at verse 1. Job again took up his discourse and said, As God lives, Who has taken away my right and the Almighty who has made my soul bitter? As long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not utter deceit. Far be it from me to say that you are right. Until I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast my righteousness and will not let it go. My heart does not reproach me for any of my days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we give this time to you this morning. We pray that you, Holy Spirit, the the very breath of God, the ruach of God, will breathe into this word life for us to be able to to be able to be made strong, and to be filled, Lord, once again with your Spirit. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I hope you were here last week. Pastor Dan gave us an amazing introduction to this new series that we're calling Outpouring, a series on the Holy Spirit. If you missed last week, it's definitely worth taking some time to get caught up. You know how to do that. Anybody have any questions about how to listen to sermons that have already happened? They're on our website. If you should go on the website, you can click to services, and then there's a, there's actually a media player that's embedded in the website. Or if you use iTunes, we have a podcast channel on iTunes. You can um, just search. I think it's sermons from Mountain View, and that will get you right to our right to our our channel. But last week, I especially appreciated the image of. Uh, breath, our breath, and the connection of the life breath of God's Spirit. And that Dan pointed out that each and every time we breathe, and, you know, we breathe in and out some 23,000 times a day, every time we breathe, we have an opportunity to be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence, as near as our own breath, God's ruach, the word that's used in the Old Testament for, for spirit and for breath. So such was the case for Job. I just heard a little of his words this morning, and you know about Job. He's the one of the, uh, in the Old Testament whose name is synonymous with suffering, right? Job believed in God. It said that Uh, It says in the very first verse of Job, Job 1.1, it says he was blameless and he was upright. He was one who feared God and turned away from evil. He had a good life. He had his health. He had a lot of wealth. He had a great family. And he had influence. He was a well-respected man. Chapter 1 of Job basically outlines the story of a a cosmic challenge between God and Satan. And Job is the object of the challenge. Satan basically said Job's faithfulness was because God protected him. And, And God said to Satan, Okay. I'll let you take everything from him except his life. We'll see. So in one scene, the beginning of Job, he loses it all. And then the story goes on with other players coming onto the stage, people who advise Job, his friends and others. And then... Job's response to them all. And as Job is responding, he shows that he understands some of what Dan was talking about last week. He says in chapter 12, those words that we just heard, that God is in charge of everything in creation. And he uses that word, ruach, to prove his point. In his hand is the life of every human thing and the ruach, the breath of every human being. And then in chapter 27, he says these key words. As long as my breath is in me and the spirit, ruach, of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not utter deceit. So here's Job At the lowest possible point imaginable in his life, he has lost everything he had. His wealth, his children, his health, all gone. He's covered with what the the second chapter describes as loathsome sores all over his body. And he has placed himself in the middle of a pile of ashes. And he's using a piece of a broken pot to scrape himself. It's hard to imagine something more loathsome and gross than that. <laughs> ashes. He's sitting in ashes. In the Bible, ashes are a sign of destruction, sorrow, mourning, and and these are the opposite of glory. When Job speaks in the book that bears his name, he is speaking from the ash heap. Some of us are well acquainted with the ash heap. We know what it's like to have health taken away, either because of an illness or an accident. That moment when you realize that you will never again be able to move a certain way without pain. Or never again be able to access one of your senses. Or never again be able to you fill in the blank. That's an ash heap moment. Or when you hear the news of the loss of someone you love, whether it's a parent or a grandparent, a sibling, spouse, or God forbid, your child, that's an ash heap moment. Or when you realize either suddenly or over time that a dream of yours is never going to come to be the dream of having a family, or the dream of a restful retirement, or the dream of happiness for your kids, and it's not happening, that's also an ash heap moment. The ash heap. This is where Job sits as he forms the words that we have just heard, these words that are a response to the, the cliche filled answers his friends and advisors have offered to him. Job speaks to them, and he speaks to God, and he speaks to anyone who will listen. And he says things that have been remembered for hundreds and hundreds of years. Why? Why has Job endured? This tragic character who's lost it all. Why is he still talked about? Well, here's the reason. Because he speaks of God's ruach. God's breath. God's Spirit, even from the ash heap. In the last few weeks, I've learned some things from a a biblical theologian named Jack Levison. And I would like to read to you what he says about Job. Here is the bare bones expression of the Spirit in the valley of the shadow of death. We are in the heart of darkness now. Stay with me and Job here just for a moment. I know many of us have learned to encounter the Spirit on the mountaintop. For now, let's shuffle in the dark. for We have so much to learn about the Spirit in this deep, dark, desperate valley. So much that we can't learn in the heart of joy. And what we learn is this. There is life growing here. There is a nanoseconds glimpse of energy. A split second of vitality. The big bang occurred in a moment's time. And all of the energy in our universe can be traced to that moment. Close your eyes and you'll miss it. Turn your head away and it will evaporate. That split second is all the time the Spirit needs to generate life. As long as my breath is in me and the Spirit breath of God is in my nostrils. I think what Levison is suggesting is that the Holy Spirit is not limited to the times and the places and the spaces we would describe as joyful or happy or exhilarating. The Holy Spirit, God's very breath, is present in the dark, in, in the valley, in the shadow of death. And yes, on the ash heap, Levison writes of a sudden realization he had. He actually calls it an epiphany. And it's basically this. Exhaustion is not necessarily a sign of the Spirit's absence. Nor is exhilaration a sign of the presence of the Spirit. Do you see why? Because it doesn't depend on me and my ability to grasp or experience the Holy Spirit. That's all too self-centered to make sense. Here's another way to look at this. There are some here today in this room who regularly experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. They seek this. They yearn for it. And when it happens, they experience that exhilaration and that joy. And it's amazing. It's also fun to watch. Really, it's it's incredibly fun to watch it when someone kind of gets zapped or they experience the Holy Spirit's presence. It's one of the most beautiful things a human can do. To experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. There, There may be tears. There may be laughter. Or a feeling of being so suddenly relaxed. That you end up on your back on the floor. I don't know if you've seen any of these things. But it's just cool to be there when it happens. And it's exciting. I love it. However. There are also others who yearn yearn to experience the Holy Spirit and who ask for the Holy Spirit's filling and they wait for it, but don't necessarily experience it like that. And whether they're in an ash heap time in their life or not, it, it, it doesn't feel the same way for them. In fact, it seems that the longer they live, And the more often they ask, the fewer and farther between come the exhilaration and the joy and that kind of mountaintop experience of the Holy Spirit. And not for lack of yearning, or prayer, or study, not for lack of meditating on God's Word, not for lack of maturing in His presence. All these things are happening, and yet the way it feels is more and more like the ash heap than the mountaintop. However, the interesting thing to me about this is that in many cases, the way others see them is the opposite. They appear to others to be deeply filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, This fascinates me. It really does. And I'll tell you why. Because it describes me. I'm one of those people who in my teens and in my 20s I had more frequent experiences of the Holy Spirit's exhilarating presence. As I've matured, now in my seventh decade, who knew? (laughs) I still yearn for the experience. I ask to be filled. And sometimes I sense it but many times I don't. And yet, others say they see it happening in me. I mean, isn't that kind of wild? You know, this is one of the reasons I wanted us to focus on what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit this fall. I believe God has given me a message to share with us about how we experience the Holy Spirit. There are some who may be afraid that they're missing out because their experience of the Holy Spirit doesn't look the same as others. There are some who are experiencing an ash heap time in life or a valley of the shadow of death time and God's Spirit feels very far away. If this describes you, I want you to know, I want all of us to know what Job discovered. If you are breathing, God's spirit is within you. Your ability to be aware of it may wax and wane. But the Holy Spirit doesn't go away. In my life, for the last several years, a very important image has come to be one that kind of describes my journey. Walking. Walking has become so important in my life in kind of an unexpected way. At least once a month, I go on a very long walk to pray, and to simply be in God's presence. Um, And it's often, as it turns out recently, it's often in downtown Seattle. I don't know why I'm drawn to downtown Seattle. Maybe because I was born in downtown Seattle. I don't know. But anyway, I walk in downtown Seattle. I walk up and down the hills for miles and miles in the sun and in the rain, calm days on windy days, warm days, cold days, and I, I walk. I walk and I walk and I walk and I walk and I pray. There are some days when I sense the Holy Spirit with me as I walk and I start to sing. I'm walking and singing. I have my hands up. I, I suppose probably people look at me and think, there's one of the crazy guys. <laughs> you know. I really don't care. I'm just walking and praying and singing, and I, I look like I'm probably completely nuts. There are other days, though, I walk and I walk and it feels like trudging. I pray, but it seems my prayers are barely reaching above the telephone wires before they fall back down on top of my head. But you know what? Some of those days are when the Holy Spirit is especially at work in my life. As I lumber through the valley of the shadow of death, I look back on those days and I know the Holy Spirit is forming something new in me or correcting something that's out of place as I walk and breathe and sweat and pray. And I pray along with Job, as long as there is breath, ruach. In me, I will praise God. I will keep walking and waiting. You see, it was on one of those walks that I heard this word. Speak to those who are not experiencing me. And tell them that it's okay. I'm here. And my spirit is alive and well in them. Keep walking. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Join me in prayer. Father, I especially pray this morning for the discouraged and the downhearted. For those of us who wonder how this mystery really works. Father, I pray that you will Fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for those who who have not yet experienced that filling. And the way that the Holy Spirit manifests in surprising ways. Sometimes things happen that we may not even understand, and how exciting that is to discover it. As you, Holy Spirit, are in our midst. pray especially, Lord, for, for anyone here today who is feeling far from you and waiting for some kind of exhilarating mountaintop experience. I pray that you would meet them in that dark place where they are. That you will come and inhabit the ash heap with them. And That they will know that you are there in the darkness with them. Hold us now in your presence, we pray. As we bring, Lord, to you our, our worship in the form of tithes and offerings, God, we pray that you would take them and multiply them, use them, Lord, for your glory and the growth of your kingdom in this world as we keep walking in your presence. Amen. I too